Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Claire. It's been great. Um, I have been very, very lucky today. My, I have two teenage daughters and my older daughter was on a gap year this year and she has been in Southeast Asia traveling um, for the last four months. So she came back uh, last night and I basically spent the day with her today. So it's been amazing to hear about all her adventures and um, yeah, just kind of to see her I've missed her so much so I've had actually had a really good day as well as juggling a couple of clients and uh, a few work calls but yeah it's been been really really good so yes it does sound like an awesome day and I'm so sorry really but I'm gonna have to start that all over again because all the live comments are coming through there's loads and loads of live comments um, but they can't hear us because Silly me, I've forgotten to turn the microphone on. Okay, oh my God. Okay, so we're going to start again, everybody. Um, I've just got a message saying everything's okay now, so I will chop the start of this. So, really sorry. We'll start again. <laughs> so, welcome everybody to the Wild Ginger Running um, live broadcast. I'm thrilled here tonight to be with Rini McGregor, who has written More Fuel You and a number of other excellent fuel books related to running and sport. And um, she's a leading sports dietitian and author, obviously, um, and a few personal achievements. March 2022, she was British Trail Champion in the short distance in the F45 category. And then, more, even more amazingly, this summer, she was third lady in the spine sprint. She's also done the Manaslu trail race, which is 222 kilometers in Nepal, um, twice. So welcome, Rini. How are you doing today? Thanks, Claire. I am really good. I um, Yeah, today's been a good day. I've, I have done a bit of work today, but I was, I've been mainly catching up with my daughter who has been traveling for the last four months and I've not seen her and I've missed her so much, but she's been traveling around Southeast Asia. So it's been so cool hearing about her experiences and her adventures and um, just getting to see her again. <laughs> so yeah. uh, today's been a good day. Today has been a good day. Tomorrow's a bit more complicated, but today's been a good day. So yeah, so she's back. She's in the bosom of her family again. Oh, four months is a long time, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's really interesting. I mean, we've always had a really good relationship and I've always encouraged my girls to be independent and go off and follow their dreams and you know kind of learn from their mistakes very much how I try and live my own life I've always tried to encourage that from them and of course I wanted her to go away and experience the world and see new cultures and really learn from the fact that you know life is so much bigger than what we grow up with in our little bubbles around us and um and she's done all that and it's I can't really put it into words how proud you feel and, and how amazing it is to watch your child 
grow literally day by day when they're on you know when they're on the road but as her mother I've also missed her so much and um, yeah it's been really weird it's been that kind of like I really want you to go and enjoy your life and do the things that make you happy but wow it it feels very strange it's the longest time since she was a baby like ever since I've given birth to her that I've not seen her so Yeah. yeah it's been it's been it's been great and I'm like I said it's been so nice to have her back and she seems happy to be back which is great and um yeah looking forward to just catching up a bit more with her every day over the next few weeks so yeah oh and maybe she's tried some amazing food while she's been away as well yeah she has she's telling me about (laughs) some of the things she's been trying and I was like that sounds interesting yeah. um she's been posted she posted quite a lot of pictures on instagram so you know you could actually comment and go wow that looks amazing and then there were some really like slightly strange things and i was like are you sure you should be eating that but um, <laughs> but yeah no it's been it's it's been good and like you know like she said food was amazing out there as you can probably appreciate and very different to kind of what we get here in the uk yeah. you know i always say that about indian food because obviously grown and grown up with Indian parents and being sort of brought up on Indian food Yum. when we go to like restaurants it, it is so westernized like the food has is become it? so westernized just to kind really? of I suppose I suppose you know to kind of match the palates that, that are around so I, it's nice again for her to appreciate what it tastes like what it feels like to taste those foods in their environment and the flavors and the kind of you know the herbs and the spices are going to be slightly different to what you can get in the UK so yeah it's been fun I'm looking forward to her. she did a Thai cooking course so I'm looking forward to her trying out on me at some Yum. point oh oh lovely yeah it'd be amazing to go to Thailand my mum was born in Thailand so it oh, would wow. be amazing to go to Bangkok and just like see where she was born and and raised for a few years of her life <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um oh that's that's amazing I'm glad that she's really into food and and that she's fueling properly because the first topic I wanted to talk to you about um that you cover in More Fuel You which is an amazing book that kind of blasts through many of the myths that we've maybe read about in the fads that come through on like social media about running and sport um and that's reds um Mm. so i was just hoping you could first of all explain what it is for uh, somebody who doesn't know and never heard of the term reds before um and then just just briefly sort of cover why it's why it's important um and why you might not even know that it's affecting you i thought that was interesting about the book yeah sure so reds is um also no i mean red stands for relative energy deficiency in sport and fundamentally it used to be known as the female athlete triad which some people might have heard of which was a situation where we saw in female athletes particularly that when they didn't fuel sufficiently so when they didn't have enough energy going into their bodies to support their training and their overall health then often they would find they'd get menstrual disturbances so their their periods would become affected and often stop and when this went on for longer periods of time it had a negative impact on their bone health so hence it was the triad from like the the sort of female aspect the hormones the low energy availability and then and the bone stress now as we have progressed through with sports science and you know we have many more athletes available to 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 research with and and, um, observe it was, I think it was like 2014, the IOC um, committee, they created a consensus document because what they were noticing is that actually 
this female athlete triad didn't seem to be just affecting females. It seemed to be affecting both men and women. And it wasn't just affecting menstrual cycles and bone health. It actually affects every single biological process within the body. Wow. Mentally, yeah. So fundamentally what happens with REDS is when you don't fuel appropriately for the amount of work your body needs to do. Now, work being training, but also all movement. So like if you have a really physically active job, that will count as movement. If you, you know, I walk my dogs twice a day as well as do my own training. So that's like a lot of work as well. So there's a lot of energy demand there, but the body doesn't differentiate between training and movement. And I think this is where a lot of people go wrong because they just don't really count. Yeah, like if it's not on Strava, then exactly. nah, it's not, you know, I walked exactly. to the swimming pool and did my session and I walked back. That exactly. doesn't really count. Yeah. So when there's, so what happens is the body will always prioritize movement in terms of energy. So whatever energy you take into your body, it will use what it needs to use for all the movement and work that your body is doing. Mm-hmm. And once it's done that, whatever is left over is what is left over to then support what we call biological function. So that is our menstrual health or our hormonal health. So, so men and women, hormonal health, our digestive systems, our cardiovascular systems, our brain and our mood, you know, our uh, bone health, all the all the things that are going on within our body, even like our red blood cell production so all the things that are going on within our body now if there is not enough energy left over to do this then the body starts to um basically preserve energy so it goes into what we call compensatory behaviors and it will start to down regulate our metabolism Mm -hmm. and basically one by one shut these shut these biological functions down so a bit like your, your your smartphone when it's on low battery mode and it's like it starts to slow things down. It's exactly like that. Now, there's no like set pattern. Like it's not like it's going to do digestion first and then bone health. It will be varied depending on the individual and the individual's genetics and physiology and training age and background and, you know, how chronically underfueled they are. All those different things are going to pay price to it. So it is a real problem and there are two types of reds there's voluntary reds um or should we call more intentional reds and there's accidental reds now a lot of people fall into accidental reds in the sense they just don't appreciate how much fuel they need yeah and so, i was really interested in that because i thought oh no there's no way that i don't eat enough because i like stuff my face with whatever i fancy but then there was that lady who in your case you have it's like full of case studies this book which yeah. is fantastic and there was one lady who'd switched like meal she got like a certain meal and it it had switched something and she didn't realize it and so she yeah. was unintentionally going into reds and i just thought that was really good thing to be aware of and I think particularly in the day and age we live in when we are influenced by social media so much and I think we can start to change our diets because we think something is good for us Mm -hmm. but not necessarily appreciate that it might not support our training so carbohydrate availability is really critical when you are training hard and this is the often the thing that people are not getting quite enough of and if you chronically under fuel particularly carbohydrate then you will potentially find that you may slip into reds like I said accidentally now intentional reds is much more complicated and I mean we could do a whole um, evening on it so we're not going to but I'll just try and kind of condense it but intentional reds is much more um, psychological in the sense that the the individual is consciously making the decision to either restrict their energy intake and or overtrain um, 
or remove food groups from their diet. So it's very much associated with disordered eating and in the worst case, an eating disorder. Now, the difficulty is that obviously when you think about the individuals that take up sport and particularly you know, it doesn't have to be you know, professional, recreational, you know, whatever. I mean, you think about the individuals, generally speaking, we tend to all be a very similar type of personality. You know, we'll be fairly driven, we'll be quite motivated, we'll be quite determined. We're probably quite self-critical as well, um, but also fairly obsessive and compulsive. Like how many times have you been out with a group of mates and gone, God, we're quite obsessive, aren't we? Like runners are quite <laughs> obsessive. Like it's, it's kind of what we know we are. Now, these are not negative traits. These are just traits that make you more susceptible to developing disordered relationship with food and exercise. And what it is, is when you have that susceptibility and you put that into a competitive environment or you put that into that that very, you know, that sort of psychosocial space. Um, so we've got societal ideals that are constantly telling us how we should live our lives and what we should look like and and how we should eat. And then you've also got you have got a fairly challenging culture within sport in that it is competitive and it's also quite ruthless at times depending on you know which level you're you're operating in and so it's this combination of susceptibility environment and social societal ideals that can then create this perfect storm to allow for dysfunctional eating and dysfunctional um, training so that's a lot more complicated. So when you're working with sort of more intentional reds, it's going to take a lot longer to recover from because you have to help the individual understand their behaviours, understand the the purpose of why they're doing what they're doing, and also help them to change those very ingrained behaviours because it's not supporting them, it's not serving them, and actually it's going to have a it's going to have a um, uh, it's going to have negative consequences to both their health and their performance. When you've got accidental reds, generally speaking, the individual will probably present with fairly similar symptoms in that maybe it's a recurrent injury. Perhaps they're noticing that there's this changes to their menstrual cycle. Perhaps they, they're feeling like they're not getting, they're not adapting to the training. They're putting all this work in and it's not nothing else is, is going on for them. But there's no psychological involvement, which makes it a, a lot more easy to to kind of provide an intervention because once that person presents to you and you can see there's no kind of absolute desire or compulsion to do what they're doing you can provide them with the right support and the right advice and that will be a combination of lots of different things you know from restoring energy availability potentially modifying training for a while looking at lifestyle understanding their body composition because it's very complicated but once you have kind of give them that information, they'll take it away, they'll put that into practice, and within a few months, they'll be back in their sport, kind of happy and confident and, and robust. Yeah. But obviously, with intentional reds, it is very, very complicated, and it can take years mm. cases to recover, and some people don't recover. And yeah. I think it's really, you know, it's a much more serious situation, but it is something, sadly, that we have seen a massive, massive rise in in our clinic. And, you know, I'd say at the moment, probably 70% of the cases that come to us are, you know, are intentional reds or an eating disorder within sport, however you want to kind of describe it. Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, and it's so, like they think they're being healthy. They pretend they're being healthy <laughs> and it's actually not. It's actually, yeah, it's yeah. actually 
having severe negative consequences to their health and yeah. their performance. And it's yeah. hard because you've got to change their entire belief system, haven't you, before they can then do the thing. So, yeah, it must be a lot harder. But hopefully a lot of the people here will just be doing unintentional reds. Um, and I thought it was really interesting just earlier you said about um, cutting out certain food groups and things like that because the next thing that I just wanted to talk to you about was LCHF which is the mm -hmm. low carb high fat um, it's sort of a, it swept the running world didn't it a, a couple of years ago um, and all the ultra runners were like yeah I can run for 20 hours on no fuel I just use the fat what is in my body and I was like running along going well I don't see any fat being used <laughs> I need to eat several jelly babies every hour and so it never really worked for me um, but yes I could see somebody taking on that from social media and accidentally going into reds because mm. they haven't got enough carbs and then the really funny thing is I hope you can help me work this out is I've got loads of friends that are like oh yeah I've cut out carbs I've cut out sugar and then they eat fruit and vegetables and I'm like don't fruit and vegetables have carbs and like well carbs is sugar but you know fruit and veg has carbs in and it has sugar in so you haven't actually cut out sugar and then people are like oh granola it's healthy because you use honey not sugar and it's like but that is sugar isn't it like am I just being dense here so yeah I was just wondering if you could clarify the whole LCHF for us and is it any good for runners so yeah so to answer your question about fruit and veg first because it's actually quite important um because it does impact actually recovery from reds as well so yes carbs so fruit and vegetables are carbohydrate of course they are but they're predominantly what we call cellulose they're predominantly cell wall so they're very high in fiber um, and insoluble fiber so we don't actually digest them which is the point in why we encourage people to have more fruit and vegetables because actually for our gut biome we need lots of insoluble fiber because that provides a really good substrate for the microorganisms within our gut to kind of fuel on, if you want to call it that, and then create all the, the nutrients that we need for a really healthy gut biome. And we know there's some really good links between gut biome, mental health, gut biome and immune health. So, you know, it's, it is definitely an important aspect. Now, where things can potentially go wrong is when you are doing a lot of training or when you have made, maybe you've decided to do low carb, high fat, and you're just getting your carbs from fruit and vegetables, because actually you're not going to get any energy. And this is where you can then potentially fall into this low energy availability, which underpins reds. So fruit and vegetables are critical and important for our diets <clears throat> in the sense that they provide us with obviously insoluble fiber, lots of vitamins and minerals. But we have to be mindful if we're doing a lot of training that we don't want to displace actual carbohydrates. So, you, you know, your rice, your pasta, your potatoes, your bread, your oats. We don't want to displace actual carbohydrate with too much fruit and vegetable because otherwise you could potentially fall into reds, which is actually what you were saying about one of the case studies. That's exactly kind of what happened to her. She sort of got this um, meal preparation sort of service and thought she was making all these really, really healthy choices. But actually or her training volume also went up significantly at the same time and she just wasn't getting the carbohydrates she needed in order to support that training and hence fell into red so it is definitely something you have been mindful of when it comes to low carb high fat as you said claire it was very very on trend a few years ago but actually i think more and more people are appreciating that it doesn't actually support their 
performance and actually often they end up not feeling particularly well now it's not an immediate thing and this is where I think it's fascinating because again when you look at the studies that support low carb high fat particularly in endurance sport they're never any longer than two years and what I find fascinating is that fundamentally a lot of the people that I work with have tried low carb high fat and after about 18 months have definitely started to notice the negative impact it can have but one thing I want to sort of say is that this book is not about it my book is not about sort of um what's what am I trying to say it's not about trying to um criticize the low carb high fat diet at all the way in which I have gone about producing the book is to actually give you all the facts and for you to go away and make the right choice for you so in some situations it may be the right choice for you like we know there are lots of medical conditions where actually going low carb high fat can be of an advantage but what I always say is if you choose this path and it is working for you right now then read the book and just be aware of the potential symptoms or the potential problems that may occur that actually if you are aware of them and they st- and you start to notice they're happening to you, you can act on it and not get stuck in a real hole, which is kind of what I wanted to do. This book was about trying to provide informed information so people can make the right choice for them. So when we talk about low carb, high fat, I think, as you said, the concept is that if you basically are not running at high capacity all the time, then you can burn, you burn more fat for fuel and so if you're doing endurance racing particularly or endurance sports then you can start to use if you're not providing your body with any carbohydrate your body will burn more fat so you become much more efficient at using fat for fuel that was the theory the problem is in practice the body doesn't work like that so the body is always burning a combination of fat and carbs all the time um yay <laughs> and actually, we're working we, hard here <laughs> go faster when we're like when we're kind of moving harder and pushing harder or whether we whether we're climbing harder or whether we're running faster or whatever it might be actually our body becomes more and more and more reliant on carbohydrate as that fuel source because it's the only fuel source that can be delivered to the muscles quick enough in terms of it being broken down into glucose molecules and absorbed by the body and then provides the energy that we need so that's a really important thing to understand and obviously when you're doing endurance racing especially if you're doing trail running particularly or mountain running it's not as straightforward as sticking to the same pace because you'll be up down you know over rocky bits running a bit harder downhill maybe running a bit harder on the ridges and actually your pace is constantly changing and your fuel sources need to constantly change at the same time so if you don't have any carbohydrate you actually might become limited in in what you can do because mm, you don't you need a bit of carbohydrate to actually metabolize the fat anyway so if you have like literally zero then what's yeah. your body going to do exactly and the other thing we've learned from the science now is that actually by removing carbohydrate completely from the body particularly when it comes to runners, actually you become less economic in your ability to run. So you actually use more oxygen per per minute of running, which is making you less efficient and less, you know, your running economy is reduced. So there's there doesn't seem to really be any huge benefit in in being low carb, high fat. Like I said, that said, it does depend on what your goals are, what 
you know, your background is, we know that females in particular are much more sensitive to low carb, high fat. And it's definitely not something I tend to recommend to females at all at any stage. And again, a lot of women, when they're going through menopause, will think, oh, I'll cut the carbs out because my body composition is changing. But actually, when you don't have the influence of estrogen, which is what happens in menopause, you're you're even less able to use fat for fuel appropriately. So you're actually more reliant on carbohydrate as you go through menopause, not the other way around. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I suppose, exactly. yeah, like with when when people say low carb, high fat, then maybe if people were overeating before, like having too much carbs, then for them, relatively low carbs is quite a good idea. Like there's a guy in the book, I think he was one of the vertebrae people. He said he wanted to lose a load of weight. So he did it for a time and he found it really helpful. And I know my mother-in-law has lost um, a good stone and a half. Um, because she was going to get diabetes, like late onset diabetes. So she did like a low carb thing. Um, and that worked really well for her to lose the weight. Um, but yeah, when, when we say low, I suppose it depends how low do you go. Um. <laughs> That's the problem as well. Even when you look at the studies, there's a real kind of mismatch of mm. what is, is it, you know, is it lower carb, which I think is yeah. what is the case in most <coughs> perhaps you know, you don't need a really high carb diet and perhaps becoming much more moderate carbohydrate is what you should be, you know, trying to work towards. Where it can become problematic is when you sort of looking at the very ketogenic diet where literally you're limiting your carbohydrate intake to 50 grams a day. Mm-hmm. And that that is where I think it can potentially be quite dangerous if you're doing a lot of tra- training and is not necessarily going to be able to support how your body functions, let alone how it can perform so but you know like I said I've tried to explain it in the book as much as possible in a kind of really easy easy palatable manner and um, definitely you know I think I just kind of want people to realize that we're not saying no we're just saying be mindful and be aware because also what works for one person is not necessarily going to work for somebody else and that's a really big kind of theme all the way through the book is that really what I want you to do is try and find the right approach for you not actually what your best friend's doing or what Instagram's telling you to do it's what works for you and that's that's kind of very much how I how I practice my own nutrition um and I'm not saying that I get it right all the time but I think I've found things that work well for me but I eat differently to my friends and I eat differently to my partner and you know that that but we we're all we're all kind of we all are well and healthy and perform well as well yeah we're all different I think that really does come through in the book like I was particularly impressed and I liked about the book that you included lots of different people's stories so like you've got lots of people that I know in there you know like Damien Hall who you, I know you work really closely with um, Mimi Anderson as well and Sabrina Pace Humphreys as well getting loads of different people in there um, and um, one thing I thought was really good was you got um, somebody called Warren from 33 Fuel, who you challenged a couple of times on social media about the intermittent fasting, which we're not going to go into on this, um, but it's all in the book because intermittent fasting is all the rage at the moment, isn't it? So more incentive for people to buy the book um, and have a look about um, uh, about the, the science behind it here. Um, and I thought that was great that you included somebody who thinks differently to you because there's a lot of, it's easy, isn't it? You're the one writing the book, so you can just put in whatever you think think so I thought that was that showed like real maturity and balance and and just just really the freedom to make up your own mind 
Thank you. Yeah, I think it's really important because I think with social media informing so many of us <laughs> of our everything. Uh, <laughs> of our from, everything. Love that phrase. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> I think the problem is if we think about our social media, there is going to be so much bias and confirmation bias because we will all tend to generally follow the same types of people that are doing, have the same interests as us and the same outlook as us because that's kind of what it's about isn't it to a certain degree but I think the problem with that is then you don't get challenge and you know having worked in the industry for over 20 years one of the things that's so important like one of the things I learned going into Rio was that ability to check and challenge you know like really check and challenge people check and challenge the coaches check and challenge each other because if you don't then you might miss something and you know when you're working with a group of individuals it's important to have individuals that think slightly differently and have slightly different personality types so that you can get the best outcome. And I feel like we're really losing sight of that because even those individuals that may be a little bit different on Instagram normally, I feel are trying to become more mainstream because it's all about validation. It's all about likes. It's all about, you know, I I feel quite, I know that I speak, I speak for quite a lot of my friends who are, clinicians and how some a lot of us have coming like some a lot of them have come off social media because they're like I'm becoming somebody I don't want to become in order to kind of fit in and get my voice heard Mm. and I think one of the things I've always tried to do on social media is actually stay authentic and be very much this is what I am about if you don't like it then don't follow me (laughs) yeah yeah and you so, don't need like a million no. followers you need a thousand good followers that exactly yeah. <laughs> social media for me is very much an education platform it's an opportunity for me to offer good sound advice based on credible information and also make me a bit more accessible to those that might not be able to afford to actually work with me or, or you know or have the opportunity to 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 get into the clinic for whatever reason so I think I think with social media we definitely have to think about what our roles and responsibilities are in there and you know like the work you do you're trying to encourage people to get out there and participate and enjoy running and and that's really really important but you know there are lots of people out there who are telling you you must do it this way and you must do it that way and I think that's where it can become quite toxic and dangerous <laughs> hopefully um, I'm the opposite of that because I'm like I'm just going to eat this chocolate here <laughs> I'm probably bad influence in a whole nother way I'm going to just have this beer and I'm going to have this chocolate <laughs> but I think um I think I've got it written down here in my notes um her Instagram is so informative so positive so mist busting you can see her passion <laughs> literally <laughs> written what you've just said there you can really see your passion coming across it's like it's like it's relentless isn't it but you seem to just like bat it back every time you're just like yeah and there and there and there (laughs) it's great it's absolutely fantastic if anyone wants to follow you on instagram um what's your handle it's r underscore mcgregor okay it's simple but yeah yeah, but you're right it does feel like that and there are days i'm not going to lie to you there are days (laughs) when i'm just like why am i doing this to myself you know literally why am i doing this to myself because it can feel quite exhausting but then I'll get a message or somebody will say some you know they'll they'll send me a message saying you don't know me but your content's really helped me it's really helped me to move forward and you sort of go okay this is why I do it so yeah it is it is exhausting at times and 
generally speaking, I think my job is fairly exhausting at times. And, you know, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I had clinic last week and I came home and I cried for an hour because what I'm seeing in clinic is so sad, yeah. you know, and and it makes it, you, you like you, these it, the individuals are becoming so affected by what is going on on social media and society ideals yeah. and the sport culture that I I literally don't know where to put some of that you know when people are offloading on you like I don't know how to make this better for people yeah there is a real issue out there and it's one that I think we can't turn a blind eye to anymore um so hopefully the book will help people to just really appreciate that there is no one size fits all and you don't have to you don't have to you don't have to find validation for what you want to do and also you don't have to just focus on external cues let's listen to our internal cues that are so important and yeah. and and they're there like our bodies work mm. you know we work on a series of feedback mechanisms which is how our body stays in homeostasis it has its own control mechanism we don't need a watch to tell us what we need to do you know and I think it's I'm not saying I don't have a running watch of course I do to kind of track my my miles and whatever else but it's not I don't wear it all the time you know I don't I don't I the data probably is not even that accurate for me because I don't wear it all the time I but take things that tell me what to do I like when my watch says beep beep unproductive training session I'm like oh shut up what do you know I'm doing an easy run today <laughs> and I, I don't like all this like business of like oh track your sleep track your your body battery what the hell yeah. is a body battery no today idea. I felt hungry so I ate like loads of food and then I wasn't hungry anymore and it's like it's that simple um, but it's not that simple all the time and it hasn't been for me either I'm not I'm not um I'm not perfect I only feel like that because I've had a baby now so I'm like invincible <laughs> and I don't care anymore um but I've got a question for you from Hannah um who's one of my patrons so prioritizing patron questions um, and she says oh I've been looking at this book it's currently in my save for later Amazon basket uh, you should put it in your actual basket as soon as possible Hannah it's great um, she says I just wish I could stop myself from stress eating any advice there so that would be an interesting one because that's like the opposite of reds but then actually it could be uh, fueling with the wrong types of fuel couldn't it so it could be not getting enough nutrients in that way yeah, I think the stress eating is a really interesting one. And there's there's lots of things you can do, Hannah, in terms of firstly, identifying the fact that you've identified that, you you know, it's stress related is, is, is the first sign to acknowledge that, OK, I eat when I'm feeling stressed. Now, often why we do the, we have our behaviours is because we're so all human behaviour has a purpose and often that purpose is protection. So for you, if you're eating and you've acknowledged it's because you're stressed, the eating in a weird way is serving as a protection because when we're eating, we're trying to potentially push push our feelings down, but also maybe numb or just kind of focus on something different or even maybe trying to get some comfort from it. Okay. So firstly, I'm not I'm not I'm not condoning it as a bad behaviour. In fact, understanding why you do something is the first step to then being able to undo it. So if you understand that, it's like, ah, oh, right, okay. So one of the things I always get my clients to think about is understanding their emotions and feelings. So instead of saying, I am stressed, 
start saying I am noticing that I am stressed because the problem is when you're stressed you're going to respond to that so as soon as you know that you're feeling stressed you're uptight at the moment your automatic learned behavior is to eat because that's what you've learned to do because temporarily it helps you to fix it temporarily but if you start to in conversations and you know even to yourself and even writing it down saying I'm noticing I'm stressed suddenly the stress is something that is happening to you rather than you being it and it opens up this space for you then to kind of explore it more and think about other strategies that could work for you so I am noticing I am stressed okay is it stressed are you overwhelmed are you anxious are you worried what what let's knuckle it right down and really work through what is going on for you where is this stress coming from is it a is it because you've got too much to do hence the overwhelm is it a conversation you've had with somebody that has left you feeling uncomfortable and worried potentially like understanding that is going to then help you to make the right decision about what you do next so if it is actually you're overwhelmed and you've got too much work to do which is often one of my things is I just feel completely overwhelmed the thing that I help find I find really helpful is to bullet point everything down what do I need to get done and you know kind of look at it like in that context and then I'll prioritize and say okay well this needs to be done in the next 12 hours but this could actually be done by the end of the week because sometimes when we're stressed, we can't emotionally regulate because our nervous system is on red alert. It's completely, it's always stimulated. So we find it very difficult to emotionally regulate. Hence, we eat or we go, you know, we have other dysfunctional behaviors. We might drink, we might not eat, we might overtrain. Like all these behaviors are often serving as some sort of purpose. So understanding what is going on for you and then working out a way of dealing with it in a much more healthier way is the first step to kind of breaking it. The other thing that I would say is what I see a lot is when people stress eat, they then beat themselves up about it a lot. Because when you're stressed, you probably are looking for a bit of a dopamine hit to help regulate. So you will tend to go to those foods that will provide you with that dopamine hit. So it tends to be higher fat, higher sugar foods. So then what will happen is they'll feel the shame and they'll feel the remorse that they've done something bad. Again, because, you know, we have these good and bad foods. So first, let's not have good and bad foods, you know. But the worst thing you can then do, Hannah, is to go into restrictive patterns, which is what a lot of people do. If they end up stressing, they go, right, tomorrow I'll be good. And that whole kind of good and bad. Tomorrow I'll be good. And they tend to then over restrict. They'll only eat like fruit and they'll just eat some salad leaves for lunch. And then they wonder why they feel stressed later on. So sometimes stress can actually be the fact that your nervous system is wanting nourishment because you've not fed it enough. And a lot of people don't appreciate that actually our nervous system will not be happy if we're under fueling or not giving it the right fuel, the right nutrients it needs. So you might then start noticing stress again and think, oh, my God, what's going on? And go back to that same pattern. So trying to regulate your eating making sure you're having you know good choices make sure there's good choices available try and combine things like carbs and protein or carbs and fats so things like oat cakes and peanut butter or um greek yogurt and and fruit or a piece of toast with hummus or you know it's like so anything like that to just try and have more regular eating and give yourself that ability to stop blood sugars from fluctuating but also try and change the language you use with yourself because 
that is a big part. If you're punishing yourself, then you're going to end up falling back into that same trap. That's amazing advice. And Hannah is watching right now. And I've just popped up a couple of her comments. Um, and she's like really identifying with this. Um, she said training also helps her deal with the stress. So that's a good thing. And then she says, yes, she does feel awful when she picks out and then she starts going on MyFitnessPal. So you've covered, um, you've covered it really well. I think the idea of getting some healthy snacks for when you do want to stress eat is a great idea. And then like looking into the why um, and yeah, and just having other things to do um, maybe that aren't that and divorcing yourself from the situation, you know, like it, the stress is happening to me. It sort of puts a bit of a barrier up doesn't it like a waterfall <laughs> yeah and just like you know I mean I find when I'm in that place sometimes what I need is space and just a moment so I'll take myself off you know I might sit outside for 10 minutes and listen to a podcast or listen to some music or I might journal um, or I might try and read but I just completely diffuse the situation and give myself that moment to just feel a bit calmer before I then respond to it and that's often the case in in, in anything in life is that if we instantly react mm. then most likely we're not going to choose healthy or helpful behaviors yeah. but if you give yourself a moment to observe and really consider what's going on and then decide how you're going to respond to that appropriately then that often makes it much better to deal with it's not easy I say it and I don't always manage it there are definite times when I react before <laughs> I speak. but as much as I can I try and you know take a couple of deep breaths or do something just to change the tempo yeah. and there's a really good um, psychologist called Tara Brack who I absolutely love and I read everything she writes and listen to a lot of her podcasts and one of her quotes is when life speeds up slow down yeah I find that really helpful that once I start to notice that I'm like my brain is going into overthinking and I'm getting you know I'm getting I'm noticing the stress and, and the anxiety is creeping up I have to I have to press pause yeah I literally will press pause I almost like put my hands up and go just need a minute yeah you know and I'll do that in meetings as well you know yeah. I'll often say I just need a minute I'm just going to take a minute and I'm going to come back to you with an answer but I just need a minute. And I think there's nothing wrong with that because it just gives you a time, it gives you that time and space to be able to consider the right and response for that situation. Mm, and it puts you back in control, doesn't it? Because yeah. that's the thing about stress, you feel out of control, don't you? Um, and it's interesting, Chris Williams has put, um, to be honest, if I don't go for a good walk with my dogs, I feel a bit at odds with myself. So that ties in with like getting space for yourself. Yeah. Um, I'm, I was just writing down Tara Brack as well, because um, I'll, I'll find um, I'll find her Instagram or, or whatever she's got, and I'll put it in the show notes or the film description below so people can have a look at that. Um, but uh, we, we must just move on to another question now. It's the, the last question that I've got before... Um, oh, I'll just briefly cover what else is in your book just to um, just before we just get the last question in. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the book covers intermittent fasting, which we did just touch on earlier, which is super, super hot right now. So really good reason to buy the book. It covers calorie counting as well, a good old fashioned method of dieting. So it's like that's very interesting as well. I thought that was excellent. And then um, menstrual cycles um, and sport and menopause, which is fantastic. The female athletes aren't being left out. I can't believe that nothing was really 
basically said about like periods and mental um, and menstrual health until like now. I can't believe I never even like noticed what goes on in my body until I was trying to have children. Um, and then older athletes, which you very nicely call masters athletes, which I thought was very <laughs> lovely. And uh, the individual athlete is also like covering different populations like disabilities, people of colour, um, generally left out and kind of sometimes marginalised populations that haven't had a lot of research done. Um, so I thought that was brilliant. Um, the other thing that I thought stood out in a in a bad way in this book was I noticed that a lot of doctors were ignoring what people were saying, like especially the women. So I, I just one take home from this book for me was I wanted all like especially the women, but like everybody, just if you know there's something wrong with you, then don't give up, get a second opinion, go to a different doctor, go to a different health professional, go to someone like you, um, because at the end of the day, you know if there's something wrong with your body. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was interesting. Thank you. Yes, I, I devoured the book, as you can <laughs> probably tell. <laughs> um, and um, so the last question is about um, a vegan diet. So another one which is potentially causes the potential to cut out whole food groups. Uh, well, obviously it cuts out whole food groups, um, but hopefully if you're doing it right, not the actual nutrition involved. Um, I've definitely been guilty of this in the past, like trying to be more vegan and then instead of actually eating lots of really good for you vegan foods, I just literally cut out the meat and the dairy and just ate the bits that were left, which just really doesn't work. Um, so it's interesting because this one came up on the Patreon Facebook group and we had um, one person ask about uh, how to get vegan protein. And then another person came back with, please not vegan protein. It's so not an issue and it's not difficult. Maybe ask all the omnivores where they get their fiber from. Got to feed that microbiome after all. Looking forward to it. Um, so I know it's not an issue for anybody who is vegan and has been vegan and is very successful vegan for a long time. They know all about the protein sources that are vegan. But to people who are just kind of dipping their toe in the water, it is an issue for them and also we suffer I think from a society that tells us we need like tons of protein especially guys um, and as you can see from like gorillas that are huge silverback gorillas that just eat like plants and possibly worms then you know you don't need tons and tons of protein to make you look like Arnold Schwarzenegger well maybe you do but we don't want to look like him anyway <laughs> but, but basically what I'm trying to say is um, vegan diets uh, a lot of my readers want to, um, readers, my audience want to um, do be more vegan, be more plant-based, um, but it's hard to do it without getting, they're worried about the amount of protein that they get. Um, Kat says that she's worried um, about it and she does a lot of running and she's aiming for 100 grams of protein a day due to the amount of running she does and weights that she does and she was wanting recommendations for vegan recipes at 25 plus grams of protein per portion and I don't like tofu <laughs> so, so yeah so just a few vegan protein sources I suppose because there's tons aren't there yeah, although tofu is one of the best ones oh, to be Oh, darn it, Kat, so, you've got to come and, to and terms I have with to say, like, tofu. If you, if you are going plant-based, I would say that, you know, tofu, edamame, soya, these are the sorts of, the sorts of things you do need to kind of try and include as much of in your diet as you can because they do have a lot more of the complete amino acids, particularly tofu. It's the only food source that does have the complete amino acids. Oh like say chicken or you know or meat or fish so but all is not lost if you don't like tofu 
Um, you, you know, what we know is that as long as you're getting a good combination of grains and pulses throughout the day, you can meet your protein requirements, generally speaking. Um, again, where I think there can be difficulty in, in sort of plant-based diets is the overall fibre content can sometimes displace the amount of energy that you can consume because fibre makes us feel full. So generally speaking, plant-based diet is, 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 we encourage it for lots of reasons. We encourage it because there are some aspects of it that make it a better choice for the environment, but equally there are aspects of it that do make it better for our overall health. However, you have to be careful if you're doing a high volume training because again if you don't quite get enough energy then you're going to potentially fall into that that sort of low energy availability to TN red so you can get enough protein I think my advice is trying to use things like soya milk and soya products rather than the kind of almond and the oat and the hazelnut options that are out there because those have got no protein in them at all um, whereas soya milk generally has a bit more protein in them. You do need to make sure you're having a good combination. So things like, you know, rice and dal or beans on toast. Um, sort of those sort of combination. Quinoa is another good source of protein as well as being a grain. So like roasted vegetables with quinoa and some hummus, like you've got a really good combination there. So like there's lots of options. There are lots of options using things like sunflower seeds and cashew nuts and peanut butter. These, you know, so you can make like a really nice stir fry with like a satay sauce. There's lots of things you can do to encourage good protein. But I think there are a couple of individuals that need to be a bit more mindful. So if you do have a very heavy training load, you may benefit possibly from supplementing with a, a vegan based protein. So that might be a pea protein or a soya protein just to give you a little bit more um, just to, to kind of help you with your recovery, particularly, but also older athletes who are plant based. So once we get sort of above 40, 45, we do have slightly higher protein requirements, particularly in the recovery phase. So this is where, again, potentially it might be more beneficial to use to help just to supplement with a plant based protein to support that. So it's not it's not a necessity for everybody. But I would say there are certain situations where you may well need to supplement a little bit. But fundamentally, yes, you can get enough protein from your diet as long as you are ensuring this this combination of grains and pulses. If you're just getting grains, you're not going to get enough. If you're just having pulses, you're not going to get enough. So it is really important to get that combination across. You make it sound really easy, actually. I've just got now a hankering for roast veg with quinoa and hummus. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> I have it quite often actually. Yeah. I mean I'm not I'm I'm vegetarian, so I'm not plant-based. I do eat eggs, I do eat cheese, I do have dairy in my diet, but um I do eat a lot of plant-based meals, a lot of vegan-based meals, mm -hmm. just because actually, again, being brought up um on an Indian diet, it's very much plant-based, mm -hmm. you know. So um we didn't we didn't really have a lot of dairy in our diets, or we didn't really have a lot of eggs in our diets. I I eat them now, but you know, we we didn't so but we did have a lot of dal and chapatis and dal and rice and you know sort of chickpea curries and and rice and stuff so there's lots of there are lots of really good ways of making sure that you do get what you need but you probably do need to be a little bit more adventurous and make things a bit more exciting by using lots of herbs and spices and um, but there's some brilliant brilliant recipe books out there now um, for plant-based athletes if if people are interested and there's some really good there's some really good um blogs as well and 
and sort of um that people you know a lot of plant-based so there's a couple of athletes well there's an athlete that I work with called Lewis Roblin him and his partner are plant-based and they um they're always like they're always putting really great recipes on Instagram so they've got a really good you know between them they they create some really nice options and um yeah they do make it look really easy but uh obviously the one thing again I'd say about becoming plant-based is be mindful not to fall into the trap of just kind of replacing like if you were always you know if you eat somebody who was eating lots of burgers before don't just replace it with veggie burgers because actually all you're then doing is still having quite a high processed diet which is not going to necessarily be healthier or, or support you as well and it's more expensive as well um um, the, other, the other thing I think um, with me trying to like be vegan and just cutting everything out business is I think do it slowly, slowly. Like yeah. if you, if, you know, if you're not doing it for like the extreme, like terrible animal animal welfare um, reasons, which should be like the high priority. Um, but you know, if you're not doing it for that, then you can just do it little by little and. Um, like I agree totally with being vegan I think it's brilliant and anyone who can do it hats off to them but I can't and I just you know have the odd bit of fish like every now and then um, so I have fish like maybe twice a week um, and the other meals are veggie or vegan so I think that you can fall into the trap of thinking you've got to be 100% vegan sometimes and that's mm. why I quite like the term plant-based because it just that's your basis you, you could sort of be 80% vegan but you get some people that are so militant about these things that it puts some people just right off yeah. um so yeah I think little by little um and like you know you don't have to start out making your own hummus and everything like that you can just try one thing one day and then the next week try another thing so I think if you're worried about getting enough protein just have a tin of tuna once in a while um yeah. <laughs> and actually coming back to the tofu I didn't realize that tofu was so good so I need to go and buy some now because I've never really cooked with tofu but I have done a recipe with tofu um I don't know if you know Anita Bean who's done quite yeah. a lot of recipe books so I went to her house and we cooked um her favorite meal which was um it was a pad thai tofu with like cashew nuts and and stir fry tofu in a soy sauce which mm. made it a lot crispier and a lot more tasty so that could be one different way of approaching tofu definitely I tend to use a smoked tofu personally which oh, I find yeah. really good so I use a smoked tofu and also there's a there's a company called tofu yeah um, they do a teriyaki <gasps> marinated tofu which is really nice in a stir fry okay. so there's lots more there's not I think the thing is tofu if you just buy plain bland tofu it is boring and it doesn't taste of anything and the texture is a bit weird yeah. but actually, there's lots of new alternatives now because because there's so much more focus on people becoming more plant-based and you know there's much more variety so I think if you you know try it again and see what you think and like you said Claire mixing it up with lots of flavors makes a really big difference marinating in the way you would marinate chicken could could be a you know a really good way of just kind of introducing it and and bringing it back in yeah um, yeah, I'll link to the recipe as well in the film description below and possibly up there if I can work out how to do it with an iCard. Um, so that's great. Um, and oh, what was I going to say? I was just going to say something very interesting and fascinating. But I've completely forgotten it now. Um, so uh, yes, 
those were the, the three biggies, the reds, the LCHF and the vegan diets. And then we had that um, side question there from Hannah about the stress eating. Um, but that was just brilliant, really. I'm just, you, you're just always so good at sharing the information in a way that a layperson can understand um, and just making it very simple again. I think food's got terribly complicated and just to eat healthily. We all know what we should be doing, but well, I don't know if we do, but a lot of us know what we should be doing, but there's always chocolate and donuts, isn't there? So, um, yeah, I think this book is great. And oh, that's what I was going to say. Your other book, Training, Training Foods, if people yeah. want more of a recipe and yeah. snacks yeah. ideas, then that would be the book to go for. And I have linked to all of your books below because there's Training Foods, isn't there? There's More Fuel You. And then there's also the Orthorexia book, which might yeah. be of interest to some people about the clean eating kind of gone too far kind of thing. Um, and and we've done it. We've done a good job here tonight, really, because look, Hannah's put definitely getting the book now. <laughs> Brilliant. Perfect. I think you, you'd really like training foods as well, Hannah. I think um, maybe people should start with training foods and then get this one. What, which one would you recommend getting first? Which one is the more sort of oh, like yeah, cat all kind cool. of? I personally think more fuel you is probably better uh -huh. to start with. Um, training food is much more technical. Okay. Um, I think training food is really good for the recipe ideas. Mm. Um, but I would say if you want to have a better relationship with food generally, um, and you want to know how to fuel your body for your sport, your adventures, then more fuel you is definitely the better option. Brilliant. That's a, an excellent sell there from the author herself. How about that? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Vini. It's been so great to chat to us. Um, just before you go, remind us how we can all follow you and how we can um, get in touch with you if people want to book you for any kind of speaking events or any um any uh, kind of consultations uh, with your team of nutrition dietitians? So um, my Instagram is r underscore McGregor. Um, and that's generally where I put most of my information in terms of kind of in terms of nutrition and, and, and what I'm doing. Um, we have a website, which is just reenymcgregor.com. And there's loads of information on there about what we do and what we offer. Um, it has is having a little bit of an upgrade over the summer. So with us but you can still access us and you can you can kind of contact us if you've got any questions then you can do that um and yeah that's pretty much me i try to keep it as simple as possible <laughs> so it's definitely a good idea <laughs> just instagram none of this twitter and tiktok business <laughs> too much for me so yeah <laughs> too much for us old people tiktok <laughs> that's for 15 year olds maybe your daughter could do that <laughs> yeah she i think she does but i try not to, try not to look so. <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Well, thank you so much for spending so much time with us tonight. Sorry, it was a bit longer than I did say to you earlier today. Um, but it's been fantastic chatting to you. Um, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the summer. Thank you. You too. And um, yeah, I'll catch up with you again soon. Take awesome. care. Awesome. Thanks, Reedy. Bye.